Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you're here to worship. I am so sorry that it's under these circumstances and that we have to continue to be distanced like this. Uh, but uh, I, I'm amazed at what the Church of Jesus Christ is doing, how the church across all denominations, across all barriers, we're reaching out to people. People are being saved. People are being loved. People are being provided for, prayed for. Thank you for being the church. That's, that is so, so exciting. Uh, about this difficult time that you cannot cage the church of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue our series, Let's. So we're going to talk about uh, being, being focused on the fact that there is a, a purpose, there is a cause, there is a cost to following Jesus. And let's consider that cost. Now, I know it's Palm Sunday. And I promise we will end with that story because Jesus' life so illustrates what he taught to us about how to live during these difficult times that we're going to finish with that. But before we get started, I want to read to you a card I got in the mail this week uh, from a very sweet lady along with her tithe check. And this is what she wrote. Uh, To me, this would be in the Psalms if it were a modern day writing. I think this is the kind of stuff that David wrote about. I want to read this to you and then I want to pray for all of you. It says, to everyone at Tomoka, my belief in Jesus Christ has helped me through this time of virus problem and others. I remember as a child seeing my parents cover their lights and windows at night in fear of the German U-boats not far off the Atlantic coast. I remember several outbreaks of viruses over the years. I also remember the great outbreak of polio when my husband and I went to a local elementary school to get vaccinated for polio. So far, my family's okay. I do not fear as God is with us. He is in charge in the name of Jesus. Patricia Armstrong. That's money, folks. That's money right there. Look, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what fears you're dealing with, what anxieties you're dealing with, but I just want to remind you that God's people have been through hard, hard times before, and the church of Jesus Christ is the ones who survive. We will be the ones that will be there for other people. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be smart. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be safe. It just means that we have a hope of eternal life, and that hope motivates us. And so let me just pray. Father, for two things right now. I pray, first of all, for those who don't know you. I pray that in the next 30 minutes, they will accept you as their Lord and Savior. If they've not made a personal commitment to you, that they would do just that. And secondly, I pray for the church to be anchored, steadfast, firm, that we will continue to bless, provide, reach out to people, care for them in their time of need, emotionally, physically, whatever it might be, Father, that we as the church would truly be the church and we would fulfill what Jesus prayed for in John 17, that the church would be one so that the world would be one to Jesus Christ. So, Father, hear our prayers now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. And it's about counting the cost. And I think for a lot of us, we never thought we'd be in this spot. I don't think anybody could have imagined this particular spot that we're standing in right now in world history and dealing with what we're dealing with 
right here. So let me, before we dig in and deal with some tough stuff, let me tell you a bad joke. All right. So even in the midst of all of the horrible things happening in New York City, there was a CEO that came in to work and there was only one spot parked in in the entire lot and it was his spot. So he stopped and he wrote a note, dropped it on the car, and he said, listen, I know there's a global pandemic, but this is my spot. I'm the CEO and nobody takes my spot. I'll have your car hauled out of here. And he said down at the bottom, P.S., don't ever say I never had you towed. All right, that's funny. That's funny. There he is. There he is having somebody towed. All right, let's get to work. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man came up to Jesus. Now notice this. At this point, Jesus is not saying anything to him. Jesus is just on a walk. All right, so this is you and me coming up to Jesus. Jesus is not preaching. He said, hey, come on, come on. This, Jesus is walking, and the guy says, hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. Check out Jesus' response. It seems snarky, but stick with me. Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, he did say at this time, follow me. And he replied, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Seems harsh. Stick with me. Still another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What an incredible passage. And it's really a whole list of don'ts that we're going to focus on. He says, don't let money rule the day. Can I tell you what fascinates me most during this time of, of global calamity? I mean, the average person, I think most of us, besides self-preservation, which is okay. That's a, that's a human basic human response, I think. But... Most of you that I'm talking to, our response is, how do I help? How do I support? Hey, do you need me to deliver food? Can I contribute to this? Can I help with that? I think that's the normal response. It's certainly the Christian response. But I'm fascinated by people during this time that they're still thinking about, how much can I get? And I still see people like that. And, I, and I'm thinking, why Okay, whatever. You're still going to sit there and gather and gather and gather and gather. Your soul, as Jesus said, could be required of you tonight. And yet you're focused on rounding up more stuff to stick in a barn. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. So when Jesus says to, to the guy, follow me, and he says, let the dead bury their own dead. Here's what was really going on in the story. The man's father was not dead. The kid was saying, hey, let me go live life. Let me run my business. Let me make a bunch of money. And when dad's gone and I've got everything taken care of, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, no, let the dead bury their own dead. You come and proclaim the good news. Now, listen, let me just speak to those of you that don't know Jesus yet. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listen, 
you say a prayer right now. We'll just start there. All right? This is not normally how I would go about this. But you just say a prayer. Lord Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I accept you as my Savior. We'll baptize you later. We'll help you get into the Word of God. You email us. You get on responding to YouTube or, or what? I, who knows what platforms we're on. All that information, you just get a hold of us at the office. Talk to another Christian. We will help you. Next step, I need to turn away from my sin. I need to be baptized. I I need to learn how to study the Bible. I need to know. But more than anything, listen to me. You do not have to be a perfect person to be saved and go to heaven. You have to be a saved person, which means you've accepted Jesus. It's like the boat, somebody throws off a life preserver. You don't have to know the history of life preservers. You don't have to know why the boat was sinking. You don't have to know the details of this global pandemic. You just have to know that I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. Grab a hold of Him. There's never been a time in our modern culture where you needed that more. And Jesus says to that man, let the dead bury their own dead. He's not being calloused. He's just telling the guy, listen, you've got to prioritize. And what you've got to prioritize is the spiritual part of your life. Proverbs 23, 5 says, Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. If you're invested in the stock market, I, that, that thing's pretty real. Uh, maybe if you're not, just in general, you see how quickly things can change. Hyperinflation, all of a sudden, what money we do have is worth nothing. It's a reminder to us, don't put money first. Put Jesus first. Secondly, he, he gives us another warning. And as we move on, well, let me read this one. Well, Psalm 147.4 says, He determines the number of stars and He calls them by name. I love that verse. I love that verse because it says, when we look out at the unnumberable amount of stars, all right, billions upon billions upon billions, it says God knows every one of their names. He knows every hair on our head. So God is aware of what's going on. I don't know why he's allowing this to go on. I'm not a prophet. I don't have any inside information. But I do know this, that if we keep investing in this world, eventually you're going to come up empty because you cannot put money and say, someday I'll get ready to be with Jesus. No, now is the day of salvation. Scripture is very clear. Today is the day of salvation. If you need Jesus, grab a hold of him. The second, the second thing he says, besides, besides don't put money first, he says, don't keep on partying. Now, this is interesting. Where'd you find that, Joe? The guy says, well, let me go home and say goodbye to my family. Then I'll come and follow you. Well, let's go back to Elijah. If you've been with me for a while, um, if you haven't, I'll refresh your, your memory. Back during Elijah's time, Elisha called a friend to be the next prophet. His name was Elisha. And Elisha says, let me go back and say goodbye to my parents. And in that particular case, Elijah said, hey, do what you got to do. What did he do? He went home, slaughtered his cows, had a big barbecue so that he couldn't go back to the old way of life. But in this case, Jesus knew that if the guy went home to say goodbye and to be a part of the party, 
that he would never leave the party. He would just stay there. And for a lot of people, let's just be real, a lot of you have spent your whole life in a party. One way or another, it's like, hey, it's Christmas, let's drink. Hey, it's New Year's, let's get drunk. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's March 17th, 15th, April 14th, February 14th. Whatever it is, it's always an opportunity to party. And Jesus said, no, there comes a time when we all have to grow up and say, don't party anymore. It's time for me to get serious and follow Jesus. Look, during this time, like never before, you cannot say, you cannot say, I don't have time. I don't have time to accept Jesus. I don't have time to follow Jesus. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. The one thing most of us have is time. Now, if you're on the front lines of this battle, we're praying for all of you, nurses and doctors and police and fire department and anybody, the food, the people working in the food departments, uh, in all the stores. Listen, we're with you. We're praying for you. But again, never in the history of humankind has the whole world been in a situation at the same time where we all so desperately needed the Lord. So there comes a time to say, you know what? This is no longer a time to party. This is a time for me to get serious. Here's Here's a kind of, this is the world that I sort of grew up in, the hippie world. And um, yeah, it's, it's, Scripture actually deals with this in Isaiah chapter 11. Check this verse out. It talks about eat, drinking, and, and, and uh, partying. He says, but see, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle, killing of sheep, eating of meat, drinking of wine, people saying, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Now, the last part of that statement is true. It's always true. Global pandemic or no global pandemic. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But people's philosophy and the philosophy of this particular guy that Jesus is talking to is, let's just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. No, let's be as faithful to Jesus as we can or Accept him. Get started in this process because we don't know what tomorrow holds. So you're going to do one or the other. And you're not going to drink your way or drug your way or porn your way into the kingdom of God. The only way into the kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ. And so I hope you'll use this time to grab, old, to grab a hold of him. And then we get to the last part. And uh, this is the la very last verse. And it's don't look back. And Jesus just simply makes a statement. This time, nobody's talking to him. He just says, listen, nobody who puts his face to the plow and then turns back, puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Don't look back. Some of you are old enough to remember one of my favorite bands on the planet. They asked me which album cover I wanted. I said, it doesn't matter. The three greatest albums ever recorded or by that band right there. And one of their songs, one of their title cuts from number one album, Don't Look Back. Because there's nothing good in the back. There's nothing good in that rearview mirror. We've got to look forward. In the farming illustration there, if you're, when you're plowing, you pick out a spot, you move forward down the line. If you, if you look behind you while you're plowing, your rows are going to go all over the place. Jesus said, keep your eyes focused on me and don't look back. The greatest example of this is, is Lot's wife 
with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go back to Genesis 19 when God delivers Lot and his wife and his children from total destruction of Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities of the plains because of all of their sexual sin. Check it out. Look for yourself. Read the story. What else do you have to do? But in the story, the one thing God told them, do not look back. So they get up outside of the city because an angel carries them out of the city. And what does Mrs. Lot do? She looks back. By the way, the rabbis, is nobody in, in the Bible, it does not tell us her name. The rabbis say her name was Edith. So we're going to go with that. Um, but Edith looked back. What did she look back? Are you kidding me? We know the city's been hit. You saw the meteorites and fire falling from heaven. You heard all of the screaming. She looked back, going back to point one, because that's where her money was. That's where a nice house was. That's where a nice rug was. That's where her nice pool was. And she looked back. Because all she saw in front of her was what's called faith. Where was God taking this, this journey? Where are we going? We're going out in the desert. We don't know where God's leading us. And his historians tell us, I have no way to prove this, but they tell me that this is Lot's wife. We have no way of knowing if that's true or not, but it sort of looks like a person. Uh, but it says she was turned into a pillar of salt. And there's lots of pillars of salt standing there at the Dead Sea. I don't know. I know the story's true. I just don't know whether that's actually her. So don't look back. Once you make a decision for Jesus, say, listen, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to go forward. I, I'm going to leave the past behind. I'm going to accept the forgiveness that Jesus has is, is given me. And I've got to move forward. With whatever life God's given me, I'm going to use it for Him, for His glory. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to serve Him. Because it doesn't matter whether I have a day left, a year left, or, or forever left. God gets the glory. He's going to get the glory in my life. And who knows how many of you are being saved right now because you're watching online. You would have never listened before. The city's on fire, folks. Don't look back. Look forward. See what Jesus did on the cross and look forward to where you're going in eternal life. All right, I promised you we'd get to the story. So when you get to chapter 22 of Matthew... And I believe Luke also writes about this. But it is the story of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And I find this story so fascinating. Because Jesus has prepared his entire life, 33 years. And for the last three years, he's been teaching and telling the disciples, I'm going to die. He's telling them. He said, guys, listen, don't put money first. Don't put this first. Don't keep on partying. There's a time for that. There's a time to be serious. And there's a time to not look back. And we look at the story and Jesus rides the donkey through the eastern gate of Jerusalem. What a great story, right? We all love that story. And they're waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna to the, to the Savior, to, to the Messiah who's coming. He's fulfilling the story from the prophet Zechariah that the Messiah will ride a donkey into Jerusalem. But Jesus knows as he rides through the eastern gate, he knows where he's going. There's no going back. He's riding through that eastern gate. He's about to ride into history. Everybody's cheering today, 
but by the end of the week, he'll be abused, neglected, he'll be mocked, he'll be whipped, he'll have a crown of thorns jammed onto his head, blood will be everywhere, he'll end up on a cross because Jesus didn't look back. He was looking forward to saving our souls. One more example. If you look in the, in the book of Exodus, um, it's, it, well, actually, Exodus, Numbers, the whole story, when the Israelites left, left Egypt, remember, the, remember that they kept saying, we'd like to go back, we'd like to go back. At least in Egypt, we had, we had, we had. Here's what it says in Numbers 11. It said, we remember the fish that we ate in Egypt. At no cost. We were in slavery, but remember the, the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now, is there anybody that thinks that's strange? I always thought that was strange. I mean, I understand the fish, okay? That, that, would, that would make sense, but why the rest of it? Well, I found out this week. Do your homework. Check me out. The onion in ancient Egypt was considered a sign of eternal life. If you had an onion, you knew you were okay. I, don't ask me why. Who knows why they made gods out of things and whatever. But the onion was a sign that everything was going to be all right. And so when they're out in the desert and they have to trust God, they start looking back and said, if only we had an onion. Doesn't that seem ridiculous? Yeah, you bet it does. Let's go back to this picture. I'm going to tell you one more thing. This Here's, here's the eastern gate of Jerusalem today. Now, the, the gate that Jesus actually rode through is down here. This is built on top of the gate. But the Muslims know, we've been through this before, the Muslims know that Jesus, when he comes back, and he is coming back, that he's going to come through this eastern gate. So they blocked it up so he can't get in. <laughs> That's funny. But... This is all a Muslim cemetery. But here's what's fascinating. As far as you can see, as you come to the west here, or to the, uh, to the east, you come this way, all the way, it's all cemetery. If you go to the south, it's all cemetery, all the way around the city of Jerusalem. It's always been a cemetery. It's where all the kings of Israel were buried. David's buried there. Solomon's buried there. All the other kings were buried there. And even before David, it's where everybody was buried outside the ancient city. And David writes the 23rd Psalm. And he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is the valley he was talking about. David had to ride through that valley to get into the city of Jerusalem, the valley of death. And it is a foreshadowing of Jesus. It is a messianic prophecy there in Psalm 23. Is it real for me? Yes. Is it real for you? Yes. Was it real for Jesus? You better believe it. When Jesus stands there, he's, he's there in the Mount of Olives, he's about to go. No turning back now. He's on the donkey. And he looks down. And that verse would have been going through his head. Even though I now go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. Let's pray. Father, I don't know what we'd do if you weren't with us. But you are with us. And I'm so grateful. For those who need to make a decision today, today is the day of salvation. 
We'll collect all the information later. You're the ultimate scorekeeper. We just pray that people would grab a hold tightly to you. For those who are tempted to grab a hold of all kinds of other things or make permanent decisions because of a temporary crisis, I pray that you would speak hope into their lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen.